Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast, where our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I'm Gian Lemmy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chad Simpson. Hey, Chad. Hey, Gian. Man, I'm uh, stoked and super excited for today's interview. Uh, man, two weeks ago, Notre Dame sitting in the college football playoff semifinals, and you got the opportunity to interview a key member of their leadership team. Yeah, such a such a blessing. I got to speak with Amber Selking, Dr. Amber Selking, um, who's been a great um, asset for Coach Kelly and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish for the last four years. Um, I believe in 2016, Coach Kelly wanted to turn things around for the program. And one of the, the parts of that revolution he was trying to create was uh, mindset and mental toughness. And that's why he hired uh, Dr. Amber Selking. Um, she is an expert in mindset and how thoughts affect your, your, your feelings and your actions, and it can transform into beliefs. And um, it was such a great interview. Her story is amazing from growing up in a farm to now working with Notre Dame. Um, I can't wait for you guys to hear that. And then coach, just pay attention to all the things that she talks about scripture and um, proving science right because of scripture. Um, and coach, this interview was really special. Like Chad said, they just played in the national championship playoffs and we can't wait for you to hear this. Dr. Amber Selking, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We like to start every conversation with our power question of what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. It really is an honor and a blessing to be here um, and to to just share, you know, and the, the good news doing the, the thing that we all love, which is coaching kids, you know, and winning kids with sport. So um, what does it mean to me to be a Christian coach? Um, I think it means that, you know, sport is a platform for us to win in the hearts and the minds of the, the kids that we love and serve every day. And so, you know, whether that's sport or business or community involvement, I think whatever platform we've been given, um, we've been given to, to do it to, uh, again, draw people into, um, you know, a, a deeper life than they might have otherwise understood is even possible. Um, and so, you know, when you get, when you get to have kids around a sport that they love, they're hungry to learn, they're hungry to grow, they're hungry to please. And I think that, you know, for me, it's important that we use that platform in a way that, that again, helps them understand who they've been created and called to be uh, as a man or the woman under the Jersey. Well, thank you so much for sharing. That was a great, great answer right from the beginning. Um, give us a, a little look at your life from maybe when you were born all the way to now? Give us a little uh, spark notes of it. Yeah, so I was uh, born, in a, born in a small town, Ohio, raised in a smaller town in northeastern Pennsylvania. So we had one stoplight and more cows than humans at the time. Um, and you know, my family had McDonald's franchises, so we're the only fast food restaurant in our little hometown. Um, and so it was really neat. You know, I, I grew up in the country as well, so I, I showed, showed and raised livestock. Um, my family had business. I had a little bit of foot in the business world since a young age. Um, I, soccer was like my main sport since I was in first grade. Uh, and then school was really important to me as well and, and my faith. And so between those realms, you know, it was an awesome way to grow up where 
discipline and hard work and sacrifice were part of, you know, the journey of the reward, right? Whatever that yeah. was, whether it was sport or business or, or showing animals. And so um, I feel very fortunate to have been raised with a, a little bit of diverse background, if you will. Um, and so from there, I, I had a dream to play soccer at Notre Dame and was fortunate enough to be a recruited walk-on. Um, and so freshman, I committed to the Naval Academy actually my senior year of high school, but tore my first ACL a month before I was supposed to leave for boot camp, which was plead summer. Um, and that's what wound me up at Notre Dame actually. And so uh, played my false or redshirt my fall season, played my spring season, um, thought I was going to, you know, go, go into my end of the year meetings with my coaches and hear, listen, a lat Latner was my last name at the time, you know, and uh, a lat, you got a lot of work to do this summer, but we're excited for you. And so work hard. And what I heard was, um, you know, you came in with a class of 10 girls. We're bringing another 10 girls in your knee didn't really come back the way we wanted it to. So, you know, unfortunately, um, you don't have a place on the team anymore. And, you know, I went through that identity crisis. I remember walking out of my coach's offices and, um, you know, I just felt empty for the first time in my life. And I just remember that hollow feeling like from the bottom of my neck to the base of my stomach feeling hollow. And, and I was just, you know, standing on the corner of this little freshman crying and, you know, wondering like, well, what am I supposed to do now? You know, if I'm not Amber, the soccer player, who am I? And um, it was funny because I, we were the number one ranked team in the country. And so every day we would sign things for little girls and fans. And, and I would always say it, sign it, a lat, Jeremiah 2911. And, you know, 29 was my number in college because 11 was my number in high school and two plus nine equals 11. So I was, you know, the crazy athlete with my numbers. And I thought, oh, that's a good verse. If anybody actually ever reads it, they'll get something from it. And actually that day, I, I was getting daily devotionals from FCA at the time, and the daily devotional came through, and it started with Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for your life, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And when I read that, I had this like, you know, feeling like soccer is over in my life, but like God has a plan and you have to trust that and be courageous enough to trust that. And so um, that really set me on my journey. I decided to stay at Notre Dame and not transfer to play. Um, I felt like, you know, God had maybe brought me to Notre Dame for a bigger reason than just soccer, even though I was stubborn enough to think it was for soccer because God's like ploy to get me there. Um, and, and, you know, then I started thinking, I was like, you know, I've got a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I've got a family at home that loves me and I'm at the university of Notre Dame. Like, fairly certain I'm going to be okay, you know? And, uh, and yet I still felt hollow. And so I started thinking, imagine, imagine athletes that don't have any of that. Like what happens to them when their sport ends? And so I really poured myself into um, Notre Dame Christian athletes. So they offered me the leadership position for that, uh, even though I wasn't still an athlete. And um, I invested the next three years of my life into helping kids understand their identity, you know, through the lens of faith versus just through their sport. And I really thought that was my way to ease my ego out of sport. So I found myself in corporate America afterwards, which was my goal. And about a month in, I was like, oh my God, if I wake up at 40 sitting at a computer screen, I'm going to really be in a bad place. Right. So um, that's what actually led me to start um, looking into sports psychology. And I read through the coursework of a program, um, the first one I found. And it was crazy because it was the psych positive psychology, the psychology of excellence, team and organizational dynamics, um, you, you know, high performance systems. And 
what I, what I heard when I, um, you know, was reading all of that is like, man, this is everything that I used to teach student athletes through the Bible, but now through the lens of science. And so when I went back to grad school, I was just really intentional about everything that I was learning through sports psychology, seeing where is that in scripture. And so that I know that everything that I teach and talk about, whether I'm quoting scripture or not, I know can transform people's lives. And it says in Romans, you know, that we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Um, but what does that mean? And I think sports psychology holds the keys to helping people really understand how to go about transforming their minds and renewing their minds um, and therefore becoming the best version of themselves that, that, that God wants us to be, I think, on a day-to-day -day basis. And so now, you know, my life consists of, um, I'm the mental performance coach for Notre Dame football. Um, I also serve as the vice president for leadership and culture for a global manufacturing company. So I still get to wet my whistle on the business side um, and be in the sports side, which I love so much. And again, it's, um, you know, teaching people how to be great at what they love, which is, you know, football or business or basketball, whatever, whatever that might be. Um, but also knowing that what they're learning, what they're integrating into their lives will, will extend far beyond their sport. Um, and particularly when that sport is over. So yeah. That was maybe a long nutshell. No, that's that's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much. I wanna I wanna dig in in a few of those a, a, a few parts of that. You just casually mentioned showing animals. <laughs> um, is how old were you when you were showing animals? Um, and if you told your younger self while you're showing animals that right now you would be working for Notre Dame football, what would that per, what would that little girl would have said? Uh, she, like, we had four channels. I mean, we didn't like watch sports, you know what I mean? And so, um, and, and in full transparency, like a we, I grew up in a small town. We had one African-American family in our community and he was the the town doctor, you know? And so my first interaction with like multiculturalism was a soccer camp when I was in maybe seventh or eighth grade, I went to DC and it was like a basketball and soccer camp. And so, uh, and just formed these incredible relationships. And when I went to Notre Dame, all my buddies played football. And so I, this was just sort of like a, you know, uh, football, the sport, the multiculturalism that sport offers, you know, um, whether, you know, men's teams or women's teams. And so I wasn't really exposed to any of that until I went to college. And, and it's funny because like, I'm a business person at heart and why football was like, why I wanted to be in football is because I was looking at being a student athlete at Notre Dame. And I thought, man, of all the sports, you know, who has the biggest influence are football players. Yeah. And if our football guys can figure this out and be good role models and set the standard, everybody else can follow. And so from an ROI, like um, return on impact, you know, I think yeah. is return on investment is the thing, but the return on impact, I think like, that's why my heart was like, all right, well, let's do this because the, the impact can be greater. And so I don't even, she would have been like, uh, cool. I don't even really know what football is. But yeah, my mom was actually an extension agent in Ohio. And so for, for 4-H and so from the time I was six until the time I was 18, I was in 4-H and doing little speeches and presentations and raising lambs and pigs. <laughs> it's like a totally different world that people are, like you said, like, oh, it was a casual. Yeah. I, don't think, I don't think many people working in college athletics have that kind of background. <laughs> That's yeah, great. Cheers to my farm people out there. <laughs> um, my next question um, is this, this – um, the season of your podcast, um, season eight, I believe you're already on season eight is 
high performance when it matters most. Why did you pick that topic to address um, right now at this, at this time? Yeah, you know, I, I played with some original titles of that. It was like high performance when it's hard, high performance when it's difficult, you know, but all those, they didn't have a, like a great ring to it. So, you know, that's why we went with high performance when it matters most. And, and when it matters most is when it's difficult because when it's easy, it's easy. And, and everybody can do that. And I think in light of what 2020 has brought us, whether that um, is the pandemic that we've all experienced or the social injustice conversations that have, you know, surfaced um, to, to be had in our country, in our world. Um, here in the U.S., right, the, it's, a, it's a political year as well. And so, so many just highly divisive topics um, that, that are at play right now. And I think that th these are the times that it matters most when, when leaders step up, when, when high performers, right, whatever domain you're in, again, whether it's sport or business or your family or your community or your church um, this is when it matters when people step up and step into the gaps that that our world has and can have conversations that might otherwise be polarizing um, if they're not done through the lens of love and grace and forgiveness and mercy and truth um, in a way that doesn't like stand on those things and beat on them but rather um, you know, just stands in that gap and invites people into those conversations. And, and so ultimately, that was the heart and intent behind the season was that to give some ways that leaders and influencers and high performers that I've been fortunate to be close to through this year that I've been fortunate to watch their lives and, and coach them in terms of how they are acting and responding to see that work and to just share it with a broader audience because because our world needs that right now. Yeah, I love it. Um, it's it's incredible how much information and how much insight you can fit in 15, 20 minutes that can really make an impact, you know. I'm from the East Coast, so I can talk fast. <laughs> <laughs> so I really appreciate that. Um, you, what has been, now Notre Dame had an incredible season, um, beating Clemson, you know, that's just incredible. Um, what has been the focus specifically with the Notre Dame football team this year? in the midst of pandemic and social injustice, what have you been actively doing to prepare them for, for a great season that they've been having? Yeah, you know, I think the reality of it is it wasn't this year that we started preparing for this. Um, this is year four for me with the program and with Coach Kelly and his sort of leadership transformation um, that, that he went through with the whole program. And, you know, really, we've been working for four years for this moment. Um, and so I, I remember we had one spring practice and then everything shut down and we sent our kids home. And I remember talking to some of my other friends that were in the coaching space um, and they, they were like sort of freaking out because they're like, well, how are we going to make sure the kids work out and what are they going to eat and how are they going to, you know, they're going to ruin their lives. And uh, it was interesting to just see a lot of the freak out happen from coaches versus the response that we all had, which was like supreme confidence in our guys because we know who they are and we've poured into them and we've built a program of intrinsic motivation, not just 
extrinsic, like external motivation where like we have to be there every day to make sure they do what they do. And so there's actually some research around um, resilience and, and something called stockpiling resilience. You know, like you would stockpile food in your closet yep. for when the, when the, you know, winter blizzard comes and you can't get out for a week and a half, you've got some stockpile of food, some reserves. Well, the same is true with resilience. And so over the last three and a half years, you know, we've been building a culture that's built on positive coaching and treating kids with respect and building intrinsic and internal motivation and teaching them how to use their mind to their advantage and to, to manage their emotions in a more consistent way. And so when something like things like this year hit all of the things, uh, we've really been pulling on that stockpile. And, and instead of trying to like reconstruct anything, it's more of just you know, tapping into the foundations that we've laid and trying to, to refuel along the way, but already in alignment with the messaging and the culture and the identity that we've been building over all of these years. Yeah, that's great. Stockpiling resilience. Wrote that down. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what do you want when, you, when you're working with coaches and uh, players? What do you want them to know for sure after you're done working with them or a, a player graduates or transfers or a coach moves on, what is the central message of your work that you want them to know? Um, I think at the end of the day, if you boil it all down, um, thoughts are real things. Thoughts matter. You see my sign in the background. Yeah. Think like a kid um, I mean, this is it, right? It's like at the end of the day, we can choose our thoughts. We can control our thoughts. And in a world where there are so many uncontrollables, the number one factor that will drive how we show up day by day, moment by moment, is in our control. And when we really understand and recognize that, we can stop making excuses for all the things that are happening to us and going on around us and take back the sense of personal responsibility and ownership that I believe we have as human beings. And that starts with how we think. So, you know, if they don't take anything else away, it's that notion. Um, now, the reality of it is we can't control what thoughts try to come into our head, right? We've all been driving down the road on a beautiful sunny day, singing along, and all of a sudden this random thought comes out of nowhere and we're literally like, where in the heck did that come from, right? Um, but we can control what we do with that thought. Are we going to hold on to it and repeat it over and over and over and over again? Or are we going to release it and replace it with a right thought? with a better way of thinking, right? With, yes. with truth. And that's why, that's why it says in scripture, like you, I've hidden your words in my heart. Like you hide those words in your heart so that when wrong thinking comes at you, right? You have something, you have truth to replace it with versus whatever other crazy thought might be rolling around <laughs> your head, you know? And so what we know is that our thoughts affect our emotions our emotions affect our physiological or our body's response, right? Things like your heart rate, your muscle tension, your visual field, your hormones, and ultimately how our bodies are will determine our performance. Again, performance might mean a, a field goal or a penalty kick or a conversation with your spouse, right? That's, like, that's, right. that's what I mean by performance. And thoughts start that process. And so it's about choosing right thoughts. And if, again, we link that to scripture, it says, fix your mind on things that are excellent, noble, praiseworthy things of excellence right then what That's does right. it say? and the peace of god will be with you thoughts emotions physiological response yeah. performance and so again if we take nothing away it's, it's that and then repeated thoughts 
thoughts that we think over and over and over and over and over again, build what we call mindsets. Okay. Mindsets are protein patterns that get wired into our brain based on what we think about. And so again, we go back to that scripture of be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you build new mindsets, it's like an Instagram filter, right? It changes the picture and the landscape that you're looking at. And so I think that when players or coaches or anybody, you know, I do keynote speeches for organizations as well. Like if they take anything away, it's those two things. Thoughts are real things and you can control them. And then repeated thoughts build mindsets and we can build healthy mindsets into how we think. Yeah. That was season seven of your podcast, I believe. (laughs) We talk about that in basically every episode, (laughs) but then every season is sort of reiterating those two messaging and helping, you know, the title of the podcast is building championship mindsets because ultimately everything that we talk about is about giving people right ways of thinking about themselves, about situations so that they can build championship mindsets, which, you know, ultimately my hope is that those are eternally grounded mindsets. Yeah. You, you've been now a very successful business person coach for several years in a row. I don't know the answer to this question about you, but for sure you have a good morning routine. Um, Cause I think in my experience, if, if you are, um, when I feel great and I feel productive is when I have a great morning routine. COVID threw me for a loop. I'm thankful to be back into it now. But um, do you have a morning routine? That is a great question. And in full transparency, I do not. Okay. Um, my life has been so interesting over the years in terms of like the rate of change at which my day-to-day looks okay. that I find myself having like different mornings nearly every morning. And so, um, you, you know, I've had to get very, very <laughs> rudimentary in terms of what my morning routine is. And basically the only consistent thing that I've found is like that moment when I wake up in the morning before I get out of bed, because once that happens, yeah. <laughs> uh, it could be a million potential things at which I would be putting my hand to for the day. And so, um, you know, I've found that those first, those first moments of simply being grateful for the day and saying like, I'm so excited for today to just get my mind and my spirit energized for what I'm about to do versus like, Oh, for the love of God, I'm tired, you know? Um, and then, you know, I'm not Catholic, I'm Christian background, but being at Notre Dame has been really neat to learn some of the Catholic traditions. And, um, you you know, father Hesburgh is a, a legendary president of Notre Dame for decades and has had a huge impact on, on our university. And one of his favorite and simple prayers was simply come Holy spirit. And so between um, being grateful for the day and getting myself like excited before my eyes open and just saying out loud, come Holy Spirit, um, that's the most consistent I've been able to get on my routines. My favorite way to start the day when I, when I have moments of life that are conducive to this um, are to, to get up and to, to spend those first moments in scripture. Um, you know, one room in our house has like a fireplace and a big, big built-in bookshelf. And I just find like that space and that time in the word. And then doing like a 15 to 20 minute yoga session is like, that's my ideal way to start the day. If I can, uh, you know, 
get 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 into any rhythm like that. Yes, appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing it. Um, my last question is, what are some books that maybe have influenced you, or that you would um, give as a as a gift to a starting Christian coach right now in the profession? Hmm. Good question. So one of my all-time favorite books, um, authors actually, is Erwin McManus. Um, he's amazing. His book, Wide, Wide Awake, I've read probably at every transit life transition that I've been through. Um, but, but basically anything he writes, I try to consume. I basically get adrenaline rushes when I read his work. So he's amazing. Um, I, have read, I have read Soul Cravings. Oh, he's, oh, Soul Cravings <laughs> is spectacular. Um, the Last Arrow is phenomenal. Um, Battle, um, Chasing Daylight is another, I mean, I have my, uh, I have my bucket list and written into the back of Chasing Daylight, which is spectacular. The Last Arrow is one of his most recent books and it is phenomenal. Um, this is, this is a book that actually we read my senior year at Notre Dame by Parker Palmer. Um, and it's, it's called let your life speak. And, um, it's a really quick and simple read, but a, a good like identity book mm. within that. So those are two Christian authors that I, I think are spectacular from a sport coaching standpoint. Yeah. The talent code, I think is a phenomenal book that as a coach, if you haven't read, I would highly recommend it. Um, and then, you know, my grad school mentor has a book called Winning Kids with Sport. And so it's built on the, the positive, positive uh, coaching model and framework that he's built. Uh, the power of positive coaching is like the renew, like the yeah. newer version of it. Um, and, and it was funny because when I first read this guy's work, it was in some of my grad school texts. And he talked about, you know, we don't win sport with kids. We win kids with sport. And I immediately thought of like the scripture where it's like, you know, we're fishers of men. And so there was just multiple things like that in his references where like it triggered a scriptural reference. So, you know, blindly I sent him an email and just said, Hey, I was reading your book and I read this and I thought this and I read this and I thought this and he responded, which now that I know him, the fact that he responded to my email is a big deal because he's so busy and God bless him. He's, you know, he's retired now. So, you know, he wasn't always up on his email. Uh, and he re just responded, you seemingly understand me. And so, you know, that, that, that book, I think, um, the power of positive coaching is a really great reference that is grounded in, um, the, the, what should be our intent as sport coaches, which is to win kids with sports. So yeah. there's a, there's a couple for you. Well, Dr. Selking, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We like to finish with asking you, how can we be praying for you? Man, I, I really appreciate that. I think that, you know, I'm in a spot right now. We're just trying to discern what the next phase and evolution of my career is that, that God wants me to pursue and how he wants me to align that for, for his impact. So, you know, if you could just pray for continued wisdom and discernment to be in alignment with his will, um, that would be, that would really be Perfect. appreciated. Let's, let's end up in prayer. Thank you. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for this time with Dr. Selking. Thank you for all the wisdom that she shared and hopefully it will impact um, coaches the same way that is impacting me right now. Lord, I also ask that you be with her and her family as they try to navigate the, the curvy 
turvy waters of uh, COVID and, and football season and uh, the uncertainties that go all along with that, Lord, and help her to discern and figure out your will for the next step in her life and her career and her journey as a follower of you. And uh, Father, keep her safe, watch over her, and uh, keep blessing Notre Dame football through Dr. Sauk. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, thank you uh, to Dr. Selking. We are so thankful for her sharing with us on this podcast. And uh, a few things really stood out to me. Um, obviously, her, her science behind the, the thinking, but also the, the quote, um, you don't win sports with kids, you win kids with sports. And I think that's central to a Christian coach is just really honing in on that. Um, that goes back a- to... That goes back to the transformational relationship instead of transactional relationship. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and something else for me that, that I loved was just the simple prayer of come Holy Spirit. And uh, I, I just uh, finished The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and I, I highly recommend that book. And he talked about that as well, just having a few of these little quiet moments throughout the day of, you know, breathe, come Holy Spirit. Yeah, I, I got burned on that one, Chad. I, I for sure thought she had a morning routine and uh, she, she caught me there because um, she said she has none. And, but that prayer is one thing that she does every day. And sometimes our routine only lasts 30 seconds. It's you know something to get centered on for you to begin your day and be successful. The other thing I liked was the stockpiling of resiliency that yeah. Notre Dame football has had for the last four years and how that already prepared them for a tough season in 2020, 2021 now with COVID. Um, that they didn't have to do anything different because they're already prepared for that. I love I love that language of uh, definitely something I want to teach to my players that we're all going to face adversity in sports or, or in life. But um, yeah, we we just loved uh, this interview. Gene, you did a great job with it. Um, Thank you. Um, and coach, we just want to give you an update during the holidays. We didn't talk about on the Jeff Clark uh, podcast, but we've surpassed 2,000 downloads, which is much more than Chad and I would ever think uh, was possible when we started this. And we really would like to thank you for subscribing and reviewing and listening to us. Um, and we hope that we'll, as we continue to post, that you will continue to understand that the mission field is right where you're at. Thank you.